Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have Eva Jane Gaffney. Eva Jane is an actor, a casting director, a DJ. She does loads of stuff. We talk about it all on the podcast. You're probably best going to know her from um, Sing Street. She has a brilliant um, role on that. She's also in the new Marco Rowe film, The Delinquent Season. Uh, you'll know her from Irish TV, whether that be Nowhere Fast, Can't Cope, Won't Cope, Jack Taylor. Loads of stuff. She's absolutely deadly, um, and it was a pleasure to have her on. Um, so in other news, um, what is going on in the world of personality bingo? Uh, we've got some great guests lining up for you. I uh, have some sad news as well because Taz Kelleher is parting ways with Personality Bingo. Uh, it's been such a pleasure having Taz on board, the boss woman, as you all well know. Um, she makes this podcast tick. Um, she edit, mixes and produces it so smoothly every week. But she has her own podcast, as uh, I'm sure you guys know, which is in the shower with Taz and Marcus. Um, she's also doing so much work uh, at the Headstuff Network. And uh, her time... To move on has come, um, but in the next couple of weeks we're going to be able to announce our new producer and it's very, very exciting, so uh, I'm excited to keep you posted and in the loop about that. In other other news, um, I have a play that I've written um, and it's going on in a Dublin city centre venue uh, very soon over March and April. I'm really, really excited about it. It's called Lyrics. I've been working on it for a little over two years now, which is kind of berserk, uh, and it's a play with music. There's some songs in it. Uh, I'm delighted to say we have an amazing team. Uh, it's Danielle Galligan and myself that are going to be... Um, Treading the boards and it's Romana Testa-Seca at the helm as the director uh, and co-producer along with myself. We've also got a brilliant team on board of stage managers, uh, Nelly Hendry and lighting design and Shane Gill and a gorgeous designer in Kira Mernan. So I think it's going to be really, really special. Uh, and we actually have a funded campaign going at the moment, uh, which is something I've never done. I've never done the whole crowdfunding thing, but people have been so kind thus far. And if you have anything at all to spare, whether that be, you know, a fiver, price of a point or something more significant, whatever you have, it's so appreciated and it all goes towards making uh, lyrics a possibility uh, and I'll be sure to keep you in the loop about that as I said the campaign's been going for a week people have been so kind this podcast will always be free um, but if you have something um, to give back a great way to do it would be um, via this funded page because uh, lyrics as I said is something very close to my heart we've got a great team together uh, and now we're ready to rock so uh, I'm really looking forward to announcing the venue uh, and all the other bits and bobs over the next few weeks in other news I'm out with the Mill Theatre at the moment playing Romeo in Romeo and Juliet it's absolutely brilliant we're nearly at the end of our first week now which has been very very exciting um, and if you're about come in and check us out we're running uh, until the 14th of March and then I said after that we're going to be straight into lyrics so it is all go but the podcast will still be here every week and uh, yeah so until then please enjoy the wonderful Eva Jane Gaffney playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Jane Gaffney, ready to play personality bingo? I sure am. All right, sweet. I'll give a quick explainer of how it all works. So I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock. I've got 60 balls in here and there are 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you five numbers, which we've randomly generated here in the studio. You saw it was all very above board. Yeah. Uh, would you do me a favour, read out the five numbers on the sheet? I've got number four, number 29, number 15, number 33 and number 57. Sweet. Would you do me a favour and pick a six number, anything you want that's not there between one and 60? Uh... One and wait. One and sixty. Any number. Uh, fifty-five. Nice. Any reason you're going for fifty-five? No, because I was going to say sixty-five, but I got it all confused. Oh yeah, a six number. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a sixty. So anyway, that would have been 55. automatic disqualification. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right, fifty-five. Sweet. So I should say that if uh, all six-year numbers come out, which has never happened yet, but yeah. you could be the lucky one. Who that knows? means the tables are turned, and you get to ask me any question in the whole wide world, and I'll give you a totally honest answer. All right, sweet. Okay, uh, let's give it a spin. All right, first one out the gate. We have number 24. Do you have it? No. Okay, number 24. Question is, um, oh, we're going right in there. What is your definition of success for yourself? Um, it's It changes all the time. Um, God, that is a, it's, it's a very broad question because I think there's success for me used to be just career-wise but now success is kind of in everything it's in your health it's in your family it's in your relationships with people and in your career um and i think that you can be successful in all of those fields um i just really want to enjoy work 
and I think a lot of people would kind of feel the same. I just want to not be doing things for the sake of doing them. Um, and always feel comfortable in the circles that I'm in. Never kind of push too hard to try and make a relationship work that inevitably might explode then. Um, yeah, so success is just kind of being content in things, I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah. When and obviously, like, being able to have a house. I mean, that's something that uh, a few years ago, if you'd have asked me what success I'd be like, having a gaff, you know, having a family, being grand financially. But I think now, <laughs> having a house doesn't even pop into my head because of the way this country is. Mm. Genuinely, I'm 25 and what used to be the first thing that had come into my brain is now, it doesn't even occur to me, really. Mm. I kind of feel like our generation, I suppose, is uh, really kind of fighting to always stay above water. And the thoughts of owning something here isn't really a reality anymore for me, I don't think. Yeah. it's um. When do you feel like the shift happened in your head of like, you know, when you're talking about it, it used to be very much work focused and mm. now it's more like a general happiness. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably when I actually, a few years ago, I was in a couple of situations where I was in like, I was really fighting to make friendships work. And then I kind of just realised like you could fight for 10 years. Or you could just walk away from something and not in a bad way, not in an explosive way of like, it's a big argument, but just kind of go. And then you go, God, I feel so much better for just cutting that tie. And actually both parties are usually happier. So when I kind of got a bit braver, I've always been a real people pleaser um, and always tried to, I, I hate quitting on things. I hate, you know, but then I just realized that I was actually getting really unhappy. And I was also growing up, like I was moving out of home um, I had a like really great job, but also I was doing some really good acting jobs, and it was just kind of there are things that can make you happy, and also I think being uh, comfortable with your own company. I think I used to like really rely on outside company a lot, mm. and then a couple of years ago I just kind of started getting a bit more comfortable hanging out with myself, mm-hmm. and then last year I I got sick last Christmas. Um, and that's when it's really all kind of changed for me now. I uh, last last Christmas, last December the twenty seventh, I um, had a couple of seizures, and I'd never had seizures before. So I was brought into hospital, and I was in there for a couple of days, and then it was a really long road. I wasn't. I had a couple more seizures in between January and May, and then in May I was diagnosed with epilepsy, and since then. I've just been really kind of... I, I think when something like that happens, whether you realise it or not, or whether you want to admit it or not, something does change in your brain. It's uh, like I still, every day, have to... I have an alarm to take my <laughs> my tablets because I don't remember. Mm. Like, it's been ages, but it's still... It's going to take, like, a very long time for that to really settle in. Um. So, yeah, in the last while, I'm just kind of going... Success is you know keeping your head above water financially being around people that accept you whether your good days or your bad days or whatever it is um yeah and just kind of waking up in the morning and not being worried about stuff you know the way you talked about because i think that's a real thing of like like you know when you catch yourself growing up like and you can actually be like oh this is like a difference from like when i was younger to now Mm. that's you know positive hopefully but so like talking about that like choosing to like only have the relationships that are actually like serving you and inevitably if they're not serving you they're probably not serving the other person either exactly what are the can you identify some common characteristics of the people that you do choose to like have in your life whether that be like you know friendships or yeah like whatever that might be whatever the relationship Mm. is with the people who are like closest to you I suppose and what they bring to you that makes them so important Uh, honesty is the main thing and I mean that in the way that if I'm being a wagon they say you're being a little wagon what's going on like 
it's not about only being around people who think you're great and you think they're great and it's just about a kind of common ground and a respect I think there's a massive thing with respect and uh, there's there tends to be a lot of power struggles in friendships sometimes as well uh, but yeah just honesty and just being able to kind of accept accept you on your good days and your bad days and same I, I strive to do that you know and I I, kn- I can feel out people's moods quite well um, and just encouraging each other and uh, you know no kind of envy or jealousy I think that's a horrible thing because if anybody gets jealous then you immediately feel a bit crap about what you were happy about you know mm-hmm. if they're like jealous of something then you're going oh I don't even really feel that great about that anymore um, but yeah just really respectful relationships I think um, and people who are ambitious too in whatever it doesn't have to be that we have the same kind of career goals or anything like that. Just people who have a bit of drive and um, and are really honest and human about things. Because sometimes you go through a month of just going, oh God, the stress of everything. And that's fine, you know. And I always kind of, I'm there for my friends and they're there for me. And yeah, it's re- like <laughs> life gets easier when you just cut that stuff out. It really does. And it's really hard like I totally understand how difficult it is but I find that if you brush things under the carpet for a long time it will be way worse in the end and it's so hard like I think there's that thing as well at this age I thought when I was 22 23 that I had all my mates and there's people that I meet now that you just go actually like these are you know this is a person that I'm going to be friends with for the rest of my life probably and we have a thing in our heads of oh but we know each other 10 years but we like think about how much you've grown up in 10 years that doesn't mean that you know you're still loyal to people but I just think we're kind of bogged down by the length of time that you know someone rather than the actual qualities of your relationship because it changes Mm. you know like our relationship with our parents changed so of course it's going to change with a friend yeah you know 100% what about this could be an annoying question so I'm sorry if it's an annoying question but with the seizure right do you think like one of the questions down here and it's it's a kind of controversial question but like I think it's useful for that reason it's like everything happens for a reason okay do you believe in that yes or no or like you know talk about that do you think like that there is like the something about like the seizure and the way that that's inevitably going to change your life because it's such a life changing thing even day to day as you said you've got to take medication just you have all this other part of your brain that you never had to worry about before and now you know that this is a reality for you mm. do you think like there was like a, a reason that that happened like can you see like positive that's come out with something that looks inherently negative um i i mean if you look at the negatives you can just you can be in bed all week um i I don't know if it's positive or negative, it just is. Mm. Um, and that's something that took me a while to come to terms with because I was, y- you kind of do that thing of I'm focusing on the positives of this and then you're feeling the negatives, but it actually just is a thing. And you just kind of get on with it. it was, I had to take a couple of months off work and obviously I was sick, but like I was up the walls with boredom. I was going, you know, and then you're, you're, body and your brain is actually stopping you from doing something I've learned so much about myself um you know I didn't know I had no inkling I'd never had a seizure before and I was 24 and I was just going this is so mad and I still think it's so mad but I don't let it really have a positive or a negative I just kind of do what I'm meant to do and honestly the amount of people who because I started writing a blog about it it was the only way that I could kind of now I can talk about it but I didn't really know the language I was only able to write it down because your brain gets an awful shock as well and I was definitely finding it really hard to communicate for a while I'd had like three in one day and so many people have come like people who friends of friends have written to me and just said I have epilepsy and I was diagnosed in my 20s or people who've had it from when they're a child and it's funny how many how much you kind of realise things are are very common when you open up about them. 
a lot of these people didn't want to open up about it. A couple of people are like ambassadors for Epilepsy Ireland and they're very public about it. And that's fine, you respect whatever people cope with best. But I just have tried now to stop kind of going positive or negative. Obviously, sometimes it's a pain when you like wake up and you have an audition or something and you just know, maybe you don't remember, but I like mine is it mainly sleep related. So sometimes I wake up and I am wrecked and I just know something has happened in the middle of the night because I can have, um, they're like like mini seizures, I call them, because there's all technical names, but just to put it in layman's terms. And uh, they're kind of like, I'll go a bit absent. I'll um, smell smells that aren't there. I kind of can't really move. Like I'm, it's like I'm kind of frozen and I'll be standing up. I won't fall down or anything. And there's no kind of uh, convulsions or anything. But I can have a load of them during the night and I just wake up and I know I'm wrecked and it's inconvenient. But if you go and get really angry and I mean I'm lucky as well because I don't drive anyway I can only imagine what it's like for people who even if they go years without having a seizure and then they have a seizure and that means you can't drive for a year and they might not have another seizure within that year but it really has a massive effect on people's lives I'm that's one of the things that I look at I'm like well that's a positive is that I didn't drive before and you know I don't have children like it can be really really bad for some people and I suppose you do just have to look at um some positives but yeah I, I've just tried to condition myself to just go and it just is mm. it's just a thing now you yeah know? yeah if that makes sense does make no sense <laughs> right will you give it a spin yeah okay cool all right sweet we have number one do you have oh it? wow no number one um oh do you believe in ghosts <laughs> this is such a funny question <laughs> Me and uh, my boyfriend were having massive conversations about this and two of our friends. So uh, I do, or I believe in like um, energies or I do feel sometimes I'm like, oh, there's something around, you know. He thinks I just am real spiritual and stuff and he's uh, like science guy. So he kind of knows the the black and white of it. But I'm like, no, what about the greens and the purples? Like, there's loads of stuff in between. I do believe in ghosts. I kind of don't believe in ghosts as well. But I do definitely believe that. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a thing that we do to just make ourselves kind of happy. But I do believe that, like, people who are gone are still around. Mainly the good ones. Mm. But I do think, like, do dogs lie in a room and they you know like sometimes if a dog kind of gets a bit freaky or something maybe they've seen a dog ghost like and maybe we can't see the animals do you know yeah who knows so like but has there been anything that like you've seen or like an instance where you felt something and you're like I will never forget that that felt like real legit to me yes and the other thing <laughs> to go back to the epilepsy again mm. uh, sometimes now when I look back on things from a few years ago I go oh could that be related to that and I didn't know uh, but there was one time I was in my boyfriend's parents house and we were staying the night and I woke up in the middle of the night and I could see something in the corner I'd never stayed in that particular room before and I actually woke him up I was sweating like and I was it was a really it was like a bad feeling there has been times where I've kind of felt really nice or I'd be sitting somewhere and I just go oh my god like that's a really nice feeling I feel like somebody's around or something but this one was it was horrible I've never felt like that before it was like so scary um and it was it looked like a figure and it was standing beside the door and it was just like a, a kind of a black shadow and the room was dark but they had kind of lights outside so it was kind of like the street light you know when it's pitch dark mm-hmm. but there's a bit of light coming in and I could see it standing beside the door and I was so freaked out like I'll never forget that feeling but I don't know yeah and I think he actually believed me because of how freaked out I was right I can see it now when I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I've had something real similar. Like, I know what you're talking about. And it's so weird because you're like... Because I'd be... I think we'd be similar in a way. I'm like, I'm not saying that that was necessarily 100% real. Yeah. But 
however real I perceived it to be was like that's real enough definitely do you know what I mean it's and so the we- feeling you get is real have you been back in that room like would you, would you stay there now I wouldn't stay in that room no uh, but yeah I've been back in the house that's actually where the seizures were as well uh, really? not in that same room in a different room but that's where I was um, when I had my first seizures and, and that was during the night I woke up uh, in the morning or whatever and there was ambulance guys there and I didn't know what was going on but that was in the house as well <laughs> so I think what we're learning is relationship with his parents house. I think they're just trying to kill you <laughs> yeah. trying to get rid of you yeah. any way they can um, well yeah yeah, yeah yeah I know Matt. but yeah no I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't stay in that room again simply for the amount that freaked me out yeah but yeah alright okay let's see what's in. Alright, number six. Do you have it? No. Number six. Question is, if you couldn't do what you're doing right now, what career would you pursue? Uh, it's a weird question for you because you do a lot of things. Yeah, I do a lot of things. Um, and it, the thing is as well, I don't have like this fixed idea. I mean, acting is and always has been my main thing. Even when I was younger, that was always what I kind of saw myself doing mm. but I come from quite a creative family and uh, I, you know I've always played music or worked at gigs and I'd be very much in the arts you know and not in like the the arts but like the kind of cool concerts and stuff like that mm. um, but yeah I don't know I honestly don't know I, I mean something could hit you in a couple of years but there's nothing else that I think about going I'd definitely do this if I wasn't I mean I think I might be maybe like a teacher or something not like a school teacher but like a I don't know crash or something maybe Yeah. <laughs> I just love kids like I work with kids a lot and I find that I'm able to speak like I can communicate with children very well I don't know what that says about me <laughs> but they seem to get it Yeah. and do you know what maybe that's down to my mum and dad speaking to me the way they did when I was younger with a kind of they didn't doubt my intelligence they knew that I could understand being spoken to the same way they'd speak to each other or you know they'd speak to teenagers or whatever so I think that kind of was passed down to me um, so I do like working with kids and yeah maybe it'll be something something to do with working with kids but I honestly don't know I work with children a lot in the casting side because mm. um, I work as a casting assistant with Louise Kylie who was on this podcast yes. it was a very good episode yeah we had fun yeah um, so I do mainly kids casting which is great because obviously I'm an actor as well and I love actors, but it's really nice for me to just kind of work with kids a lot. And I just think they're gas. Like, they're so mad. They just say the funniest things. And, like, the attention span is brilliant. You have to really be like, keep looking at me. Keep, you know, stay in the room, stay in the room. They're just so funny. But, yeah, maybe it'd be something to do with kids then. But I find, like, I find I still do that. Yeah, which is great that you've found a way to do so many of the things you want to do within just, like, your general career. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What about, what what is it like being an actor and being, like, a casting assistant? Because, like, you know, in in one way, they kind of feel, like, the opposite. Because, like... I don't know when you're when you're an actor like it's a shitty word and I don't mean to use it but I can think of something better like a, a gatekeeper would be like a traditional word that you could use for like a casting person because they are like the medium between the job and they're kind of the medium between like your audition and then doing the 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 job yeah. you know what I mean how do you because I'm sure on one hand like you must learn so much about acting auditioning all of that end of things but are there like do you find there are negative side to it as well do you like does it ever get in the way of you getting acting work because there's like a conflict of interest or that kind of thing um well basically see i don't know Mm. because i don't know if it would be a conflict of interest because if it is then people wouldn't tell me that do you get me yeah i do yeah so i actually don't know um i still do a good bit of acting and um but the thing that's great with myself and Louise and this is the relationship we've always had is that I do the children's casting so I don't really work on the adults casting Mm. I don't really work on the stuff that I would be going in for so I do all the 
kids stuff and I would run that so I would run those castings with the children and I'd set them all up and then when it comes to the adults casting I read opposite people so I'm a reader and a lot of actors are readers for casting directors so it's kind of the same as anybody being a reader um, and then I do admin stuff so it's actually very rare that I'm working like full time on an adult project where I'd be you know, if you were to come in, it's very rare that I'd be running that casting. I'd be your reader mm-hmm. to get me. Yeah. So that's great because uh, myself and Louise have always had that understanding. And it actually just so happens that I'm good with kids as well. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know. But that's the funny thing, isn't it? You yeah. don't know if it's conflict of interest because they wouldn't tell you, <laughs> you know. What are the, like, main things you've learned about, like, having been in so many casting rooms about, like, auditioning or, or stuff that, um, yeah, like, is there something that, like, you've learned or, like, something that you didn't know before you started this whole thing and now that's, like, become really apparent to you? Yeah, there's a few things. And actually, I remember you saying on your episode with Louise that sometimes when you go into the room, you can get kind of nervous with the camera or somebody else might and... Then you go for a theatre audition and you're like, yeah, I'm grand. I'm the opposite. Like, I go into theatre and I am shaking. I went, I had a theatre audition a while ago and I was just so nervous because it's not my norm. And I didn't train. I just started working. I went, uh, when I finished school, I went into the factory and I was working in the factory with John Carney. And that just kind of became an actor's studio and stuff and then we did all that and I just started working um, so I didn't do any theatre training like I've done loads of theatre but I haven't done theatre in a couple of years and I honestly have not been that nervous in ages which I think is a good thing because getting nervous is good I've definitely learned a lot about um, being on camera and just kind of chilling out on camera I think everybody gets nervous I still get nervous as well. But I think you just have to know the difference between stage and screen. And they're so different. And that's not to say people can't be amazing at both, but they require completely different skill sets. Um, I know my theatre skills are not as up there with my screen skills, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but that is from being in the room a lot. And uh given generous notes as well and being clear with your notes i think um as well as an actor to listen to the notes and not be afraid to go yeah hang on give me one second and let that kind of settle in and then go again um remember that if you do a great job the casting director is doing a great job so it's not a test you know if you're going in for a screen audition we are there going, I really hope this person comes in and nails it and then we have something deadly to show the director and the director gets happy. It's not an exam, you know, and that's where your nerves can kind of send you. Your nerves can make you think that you're under, you're in the spotlight and stuff. But actually it's a really, well, the way we work, I'm not saying every casting director is the same, but the way we work, it's very collaborative and we want you to do a great job. I think also... The fact that Louise and Karen and Fanula all studied in the Gaiety and they were actors for years. Like Karen was acting for years while she was working with Louise as well, you know. Um, And Thursa was an agent. So everybody has had a different kind of job within the industry too. So there's a massive broad uh, knowing and understanding of how things work. Um, But yeah, I've definitely learned that it's a two-way street and everybody wants the other person to do a great job. Actors want a cast and director to give them honest notes and clear notes and the cast and director wants to be able to do that so that the actor does an amazing job and then everybody's doing a great job. Do you get me? Yeah, 100%. It's mainly, to, to cut all of that really short, is that it's not an exam. It's not a test. You know, nobody's uh, testing you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a selfish question for me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, sweet. Uh, number 25. No. Oh shit, you're doing so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, tell us. Be a Louise kind of casting thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us something uh, about yourself that people consider surprising when they learn it. Oh, okay. Um, oh, that's 
actually tricky. What do people find? Uh, there's a couple of things. People will get surprised that I speak Irish. Um, and, I mean, they're not very interesting. Uh, that I play piano, maybe. Um, any hints here? Like, I don't know, like what? Yeah, Irish is interesting. What, 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 did you go to a Gaelic school? Yeah, I went to a Gaelic school and a, and a secondary school as yeah. well, yeah. So. And how, like, are you the kind of Irish speaker where it's like very, are you very, like, proud of it very important to you yeah it's very important to me but uh it's something that people can lose really quickly and i god i have to like i have my phone in irish so that it's constantly reminding me and still sometimes things come up words come up and i'm like oh, i know i should know that word um but i find this is a massive thing in uh our kind of industry as well my irish is dublin irish it's not from a Gaeltuk, it's not from a certain part of Ireland that might be uh, considered more Irish. <laughs> um, so I do find that there's difficulty. So as an actor, maybe when people go, oh my God, you speak Irish. That's because I don't work in Irish because it's rare that Dublin Irish is hired on Irish speaking jobs. Um, even voiceover stuff, it's very rare that there is, you know, there are other dialects that are chosen over the Dublin dialect a lot. So I think that's why I don't really get to speak Irish that much. Um, but I do try. Mm. But yeah, th- it is a, if I had a different dialect, I might be working in Irish a bit more. Yeah, 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 it's funny. Yeah. And then you're a DJ as well. I'm a DJ. Actually, that's the one that people get surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, uh, I come from a musical family. My dad is a tour manager. So I've always worked in music um, and I work at concerts all the time and um, obviously play piano and stuff. And then I was, it was really funny actually. I was like 18, 19, I think. And a friend of mine, Craig Connolly, who um, runs District Magazine, he was putting on this night in, it was the Law Society at the time, I think it's Farrier and Draper now, on St. William Street, anyway. Mm. And he was like, we need DJs. Do you want to learn how to DJ, right? So me and my friends, Simon and James, we went and had DJ lessons with uh, Craig and it was hilarious. And then we got this weekly slot. Now we had a, proper teacher there for the first few weeks but then I just loved it I was I was loving it and then I was playing a pig for years and the reason I kind of I do events now and I do um I don't really do parties or anything but I do events and I'm playing in the Wiley Fox um a little bit but the reason I kind of left the nightclubs I mean I used to do two gigs a week but then it just got a bit crazy things have gotten a bit mad maybe it's me getting older and not being a crazy party animal not that I ever really was but uh, there would be when I started out the money that went into bars was amazing so they always had enough staff that's the main thing with a good uh, company they should always have enough staff and then I noticed over the years they were cutting back on security they were cutting back on bar staff so the crowds weren't as well maintained as they would have been before and I just started having loads of issues people coming up and spilling drinks on the decks and then they're not mine you know and then there's the rental company are going mad and I'm going yeah but I used to have a security guard so there'd be like two security guards for the whole massive club and it just kind of got a bit stressful so I got out of that for a while and I think that's the thing with a lot of stuff especially when you've got a few different things going on sometimes you need to step back from one of them and go I used to love this I'm not loving it right now I don't want to not love it so I'll just take a little time out mm-hmm. so I did that and now I'm loving doing the events and stuff yeah it's so funny you say that because like something I don't know is it comparable but I'll make, I'll make a go of it like something that I've like dabbled in is like stand up and really yeah I remember seeing you did you do the the pop up yeah, 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 the yeah. pop the cherry and stuff and wheelings with the guy. I've done that a good few times and like, and I love it. But and I go through phases of it. Like especially if I'm not working on stage, like or like mm. on, on screen or whatever, it's a great way of like you can just control more or less when you when you go up. You know what I mean? And you can write your own stuff and you can do it like that with no budget. It's it's really good way of like making sure you're able to perform. Yeah, but like. I don't love it in the same way I love acting, and I don't love it in the same way I love writing. And even I, I possibly 
don't love it as much as I love doing this podcast, you know. And yeah. it's like, especially when you do a few different things, it's like there's only so much like struggle you kind of have that you're willing to like, like even like not to say like DJing's a massive struggle, but even that like the pain of like having mm. to go and like rent the equipment and then explain, look, I'm sorry that this got, you know. So like if if that's like a yeah, I, I guess that's what it comes down to. You've got like such a well of kind of resistance that you're willing to like, yeah, it's worth like, you know, doing like the bad auditions or like doing the good auditions that you don't get. It's worth like writing, you know, every day and some days you're writing shit, but that's okay. It's all part of it. But there's only so much that you have and like you yeah. can actually spread yourself too thin and then kind of end up not doing any of them particularly well. Exactly. That's the thing as well. Like you don't want to kind of be okay at, everything like I think I'm kind of okay at loads of stuff and hopefully I'll be really really okay at one of them (laughs) you know what I mean but yeah I I do think like if you've any doubt of something that something that you really really loved and now it's starting to be a pain just step back and take a break rather than it's the same thing as what I was saying with uh, you know friendships and stuff if you keep swiping away little issues it'll just explode and then it will end and it was kind of the same thing with me and DJ and I was starting to just get really I was like I don't want to do this and then I took a break and now I'm loving it again Mm. so I confronted it and I left places and I said this is the reason I'm leaving is because I feel like I don't I just don't feel safe anymore you know it's two o'clock in the morning there's two security on for the whole of this massive bar and I'm on my own you know like and it's just about but things change and you have to be okay with things moving on and maybe that just run its course and I wasn't meant to be there anymore mm. and there are other people who are more suited to that place so yeah 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 sweet <laughs> alright number 38 can I change that 33 <laughs> to an 8? I'm just going to add a little... No, I don't have uh, Number 38. Question is, uh, if you had to get a tattoo, what would you get? Oh, I already have one. What do you have? Um, so I only got it uh, in the summer after I was diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, but I'd gotten it as a Christmas present. I got the voucher and the design because it was basically... I wanted loads of things and uh, my boyfriend Paul he went into a friend of ours who's this amazing tattoo artist his name is Lee Brown by the way um, and he put all of my things together and made this kind of a scene and then Paulie showed me and he was like he said he'll change it and da, da, da. I was going that's absolutely perfect so it's on the back of my left so my shoulder blade mm. yeah and it's got, it's kind of a circle and it's got a robin, uh, but it's all black. There's no colour on it. It's got a robin. It's got, because the robin is just my favourite bird. And I think a robin is kind of a sign of like maybe a ghost. Maybe a robin is a ghost as well. I always find like you see a robin and you just, well, for me anyway, and I go, oh, that's really nice. Um and it's the same with my mom and dad and stuff. There's something about a robin, you know. So the robin, and then I've got the Celtic tri-spiral, which is mother, maiden, and crown. Um, so I would really admire my mom and my granny. I lived with my granny for a good while, and mm. uh, she was amazing. So it's the three women, the three kind of generations. Even though it's not my mother's mother, but and my mother's mother is amazing as well but that was just the kind of connection I had with that and there's a moon because uh, I love the moon and a star because I love the stars and what else is on it oh lavender there's like sprigs of lavender on it as well it sounds mad but honestly it it looks nice like. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it sounds like what <laughs> How? why would you put all those things together as I said Lee is a genius so it doesn't look insane that's amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweet right let's forget your number uh, okay number 27 no alright number 27 question is uh, what is your relationship if any to the gym Oh, Louise got that question as well. Yeah. Um, I don't have a relationship with the gym at the moment. We're on a bit of a break. Um, <laughs> it's one of them toxic relationships. Yeah, well, do you know, it was just getting a bit heavy. Uh, yeah. I've been on and off with the gym and it's actually about finding a place that uh, is affordable and that's not kind of 
makes you feel nervous. Uh, after I, like, kind of during the summer when I, I had to take a bit of time off work and stuff, the doctor kind of said to me, he was like, you can't be pushing yourself. It's only now that I'm really getting back to normal. Because um, it was only six months. Well, it was seven months ago, really. So uh, I do find that I'm I'm way more tired so I can't really be going to the gym but there was a gym when I used to live at home with my parents I absolutely loved that gym and then I was in the fly fit for a while but I just found that like pose central I couldn't handle it I'd go into the classes and just be like I'm a big beetroot in my pennies gym gear and they're all ready to take photographs in the mirror like it was just wasn't able so I need some kind of local community centre gym for me to feel a bit more comfortable um, but yeah no I I think me and the gym are going to start seeing each other again we just went through a rocky patch yeah you know? that's okay but I do a lot of like walking outside I think it's better for my head as mm. well yeah and maybe like when I say running it's like intervals yeah yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. no but I wouldn't be great with the gym now anymore one of the things I meant to ask you earlier, sorry, it just came back to me there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it was when you said beetroot, maybe. Um, <laughs> but with the with the epilepsy, yeah. does that is because I I'm really stupid about it. I know nothing about it. Well, neither did I until I got it. Right. So <laughs> at the end, I'll get you to tell us where you can get the blog and all that because it would be good for people cool. that you know who want to find out more to be able to find out more. But one of the things that I would have like associated with epilepsy was like flashing lights and stuff like that. Mm. Being a DJ is that. Am I totally off the mark or would that be a trigger? No, so my epilepsy is temporal lobe epilepsy. I was the exact same. And it's also, you know, when we were in the cinema as kids, that was the warning. And uh, But mine is not photosensitive. I mean, it might be a bit photosensitive. They can't completely rule it out. But mine is temporal lobe epilepsy. So it affects, um, it's mainly kind of sleep related. Uh, if I'm wrecked, like I know something isn't going to be right um, and it really affects my emotions and my memory it's that kind of chamber of your brain so uh, the flashing lights and stuff like that never really affected me um, I think anybody if there's too much light it kind of is a bit ugh, but uh, I've never had the lights affect my epilepsy it's mad because yeah. that's exactly what I thought uh, I didn't understand it when they said it was epilepsy I was like Epilepsy is if you're raving and then, you know, that's what happens. But it's actually way broader than that. There's loads of different types of epilepsy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That was my basic bitch question of the day that I needed to add. <laughs> so I'm glad I got it out. Why did beetroot remind you of that? I, I think it was red. I think it was the colour red. Okay. I was... I, I was picturing you in the gym as like a little rave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Okay, but I, I had to ask. <laughs> right. That's actually a good question. Uh, okay, number thirty-eight. Do you have it? No. Hang on. Did we not get thirty-eight already? Oh, did yeah, we? we did. Because oh, I was going to change my thirty-three to oh, a thirty-eight. Me. No, there was two on the ground here, and one because it came out. It was then. It's number fifty-one. Sorry, pardon. Okay. Yeah. Um, number fifty-one. You still don't have it? Definitely don't. Uh, that's what you get for correcting me in my own game. No, you're, you're sorry. Number fifty-one. Um, if you could uh, choose one person to chat to one to one, who would it be? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm. Who would it be? Probably like Michelle Williams mm. or Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, uh, Blue Valentine is my favorite film of all time. Um. And I just, I think it was because I saw it at a certain age. It's always stuck with me and I can watch it whenever, you know. Um, But yeah, I just think Michelle Williams is a really interesting person. She's been through a lot of trauma in her life, like in the public eye. But she's also one of those people that, you know, she's amazingly emotional and incredible actress. And she's really good at those kind of troubled characters. But then you think... She was in Dawson's Creek. You know, like, she's got that whole other flip side. She's one of those actors that I really feel uh, we've seen her grow up a bit. Um, And I just would love to... I don't even have specific questions. I think I'd just love to see what she's like as a person. Yeah. She's one of those people that you just can't tell, you know. There's something about her, even when she's smiling, there's something in her eyes that's just mad. Mm. Um but I'd love to just get a feel for what she's kind of like. I don't think there's anybody like her. I don't, I mean, obviously I watch movies constantly. There is nobody who, you know, there's a lot of people that I could 
I find similarities in Emma Stone would remind me of a lot of different actors, male and female, uh, and musicians and stuff. And I love her as well, but there's something about Michelle Williams that I just can't compare her to anybody else. And I'd love to figure out why that is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, good answer. Yeah. All right. Okay, number 30. No. Oh, sorry, you got excited for that one. Yeah, I know. Uh, n- number 30. Um, what kind of student were you? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I was, um, I think I was grand. So in primary school, um, I was always looking after the younger kids. Right. So that kind of thing of me, like looking after kids and being really good with kids comes from a very young age. My mom actually has, um, a video of me in play school. And there's like a two-year-old and I was four and I was carrying the two-year-old around really aggressively, but like <laughs> trying to just make it stop crying. Um, in primary school, yeah, I was I was good. I loved school uh, in primary school. And then in secondary school, I think I just, I just got really opinionated and there were certain teachers that I just couldn't understand why they were being the way they were being. And I think a lot of the teachers in my school had an effect on what kind of student I was because they knew that I didn't need them. Um, When I hit fourth year, I knew... When I was in third year, actually, I was having a really hard time with all junior cert. And uh, I told my dad that I wanted to leave school. And my dad left school before his, I think... I don't know if he did his inter... It was the intercert at the time. But he left school around that age. And I was really upset. And I said, I just... I can't do this anymore. And he said, fine. If you want to leave, that's okay. Think about it for a couple of weeks. And I did. And then I got this determination. Did my junior. Got, like, amazing results in my junior. And didn't get any praise for it. Because I wasn't uh, particularly enthusiastic about school. Even though I was clever. Like, I was. And I know I was. Um, and then when I got into the second half, the kind of leave insert years, I didn't want to fill out the CAO. I knew I didn't want to go to college. I knew from the age of, I knew from first year that I did not want to study after secondary school. I couldn't handle that. That routine is not for me. Um, and uh, the teachers just hated that. And I used to get really bad treatment from them because I wasn't... I, I was the only person in my year who didn't fill out the CAO. And they, like, forced me. They were trying so hard. And I was going, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to college. My dad, my parents told them at a parent-teacher meeting or whatever it was. And they just still, it wouldn't register with them. So I think then I became... I was never like bold I never acted out but I was quite opinionated and I didn't really uh, take any shit from them Um, and there was something else I was going to say there oh yeah so then yeah I just kind of kept my head down I was always friends with older people in school as well like uh, you know so it was tough then when I got into sixth year my best friend was in the year ahead of me. So when I got into sixth year, I didn't really have anybody. I'd fallen out with most of the girls in my class because I couldn't understand them either. I was just like, these are all mad. So I just kind of went and did my own thing. Um, but yeah, I just was the type of student that knew this wasn't the be all and end all. And if you don't want to go to college, don't do it. And a lot of the people who were pressured into doing filling out the CAO and stuff are in jobs that they hate or are doing a second degree because they were 17 (laughs) they were 17 deciding what they want to do for their whole lives and unless you really really know that's pretty tricky like that's a tough thing I used to do those you know those tests that generate what you're meant to do or whatever so they're like I can't remember what they were called but they were a proper school uh, thing on the computer and you pick all these multiple choice things or whatever and uh, everybody got like, you know, there was people who were really good at business studies who got accountants and they got the right things for them. I got gardener or mechanic. Wow. And I was like, this is what I mean, you know. Can you see me being a gardener or a mechanic? How do you even get gardener? Like, how, what is there in school in those tests that will that would make you a gardener I was the only person who didn't really get things that suited them because the arts aren't on those tests they don't 
register like they don't understand not all teachers but just I got dealt a bad hand I think I had a great music teacher she was gas um, and I had a great geography teacher she was deadly as well but the teacher my career guidance teacher unfortunately just was like acting's not a job that's never going to work you can't be a musician you know so and my principal and my vice principal were great they were really open minded but it just takes a couple of teachers who don't really get it mm. maybe to just kind of but I'm so glad that they didn't stop me in my tracks and it's kind of an amazing thing for as well for like and I know you're saying that your dad dropped out of school but for him to be just like yeah look if you want to go like, you were probably 15, 16 max yeah. like and yeah he was 15 yeah like but like that's just and it, and it, it's so interesting then like I don't know what like what, do you think that was part of your determination then to be like no fuck it, I really do want to finish it yeah I think so um, and I also knew I wasn't going to get a job anywhere because I was 15 but in saying that as soon as I turned 16 I started working so I used to work every Thursday evening. I'd go straight from school into town. I just wanted to be in town. I wanted to be speaking to people. I wanted to be wandering around. Where are you from? I'm from Palmerstown. Okay. So I'm 15 minutes from town. Like, But I didn't. I went to school in Luke and I didn't want to just be trapped in that kind of school thing. So I got a job. I was working in French Connection. I worked every Thursday evening and full day, Saturday and Sunday. And then school Monday to Friday as well. So I used to come in in my school uniform, like, and I was the youngest person working in there by at least ten years. I had a great time with them. So I have not stopped working since I was since I turned sixteen, and that gave me a huge uh, encouragement as well. Just from hearing people who were in their twenties and they were going, yeah, I went to college and then I dropped out after a year. It's not the end of the world, but that kind of thing of the stubbornness that I found with uh, a couple of my teachers in school um, when I did my leave and then I got my results and you had to go to the school to get your results do you remember mm. like you did, you, they didn't get them posted out you had to go to the school and get pictures taken and all I was like <laughs> no and my mum and dad were like oh god uh, so I got my results and I got 4.30 and I was really surprised I didn't think I was going to get that and I, and I wasn't using them that was the thing I wasn't using my points and I just like one of the teachers just said something like uh, isn't it an awful shame you're not going to put them to good use or something and I went I'm finished school and you're still you still can't say fair play I didn't think you were going to get that many points you know it's still a it's like a stubborn pride thing I think you just have to kind of let that go sometimes so that made me feel really bad then again. You're like, just because I'm not using them as such, I'm still using them now because I think about that and I go, I actually did really well. Um, and it doesn't matter what you get. Well, for me, it, for me, it didn't matter because I didn't have a goal. I didn't need a certain amount of points. But um, but yeah, I, uh, so yeah, I was just working and working and yeah. Yeah, it is such a, bad system yeah it's just such a bad like my little brother now is doing his leaving sir and it's just such a and it's so funny because he's in the middle of this battle with like and it's not a battle so much but it, it's funny to hear like that your um experience of it because he's very creative as well and he's like a filmmaker mm. and he's really good like work with like a lot of like filmmakers and like y y he's just really good and he's done no training but like you can kind of train yourself like to be a good filmmaker by like listening to like podcasts, for Especially example. Especially these days, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like and through like YouTube and just like the internet has so many resources. You know what I mean? You can literally like learn how to use a camera from all that. Anyway, um, so it's just it's funny like, but how, yeah, just how I guess it's scary. It's a scary thing, uh, maybe because my parents wouldn't be like creative probably in the same way yours sound like they are mm. so I guess it's probably very scary as a parent to be like you know just to see your kid like go against the grain in that way do you know what that's actually what I was going to say uh, for me when I got gardener or mechanic uh, I was able to go home and laugh about that because I knew I wanted to work in the arts or whatever and my mum and dad got that but I can only imagine for someone who had the same kind of goals or dreams as myself or yourself who knew that their parents had no interest in the arts and were completely in a different field. That must be so difficult 
you know, at least for your brother, he has you. Yeah. So you, you're setting an example there. But like, I do always feel for people who, you know, their parents just work in, in different jobs and they're probably excelling in these amazing careers. But the kid is it's totally different and not getting support from teachers because they don't, there's no particular thing you can do. Um, I mean, there is courses and stuff, but like the amount of choices you have for other uh, subjects is way broader than for acting and film and TV and stuff. But yeah, I do just think, God, you know, they're the people who then do just go into a degree because their parents say, well, why don't you just do this? And they go, okay, like my teacher's telling me to do this. You're telling me to do this. I'm 17 or 18. I don't know if I can do it. I knew because I've been around actors and musicians my whole life, if you work really hard, you can do it. My dad has done it, you know. So I knew that. But if I didn't know that, I probably would listen to the people who are guiding you, you know. So it is kind of a tricky one. But that's why people get into acting late. Well, like, what's late? Like, 25, mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, that's not late. Um, but people get into it after doing a degree and something else, and then they go, oh, and that's fantastic as well. And I think there's kind of, people feel a bit of a fear of, uh, oh, am I too old to start doing that now? No. Because whatever you kind of feel like doing, just do it, I think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right, let's give it a spin. Spin. All right, number 53. No, oh, I, thought, I, thought I, I had don't a f- have any of them. Um, do you have an obsessive personality? Uh, no, I don't think so. I was sure you'd say yes. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Like, uh, no, I don't think so. Mm. Maybe I did before. I don't know. Obsessive. What was the last thing you were obsessed with? Like even like a TV show or a Big Little Lies TV show wise. Um, what am I obsessed with now? Podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which are great. Yeah. This is my first ever podcast that I've done. That's great. So. I'm so glad that we got yeah, there first. This is cool. Um, yeah. I'm not really obsessed with anything at the moment, actually. Mm. Um, that's weird. I would have thought I'd say yes as well, but I don't think I'm obsessed with anything. Do you have a good, like, do you ever get obsessed with work or do you feel like you have good boundaries around that and, like, taking downtime? I know you were forced to do that this year. Yeah, no, I'm not good at taking downtime. Janie Mac, even last night, I woke up this morning and I was going, I had all of my dreams last night were about a casting day that I'm setting up and all, like, (laughs) emails and all this. So, no, I'm not really good at taking downtime. Um... I'm constantly, uh, until a job is done. But the thing is as well, I like what I'm doing. Um, but I wouldn't be great at, at taking a, f- a real break. I love taking a real break, obviously. But uh, no, I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at just switching off from something and going, right, I'm going to do this now. I'm kind of always doing a little bit of loads of things. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Do you find it useful having a boyfriend who's also like in the creative world? Yeah. That's helpful. I uh, yeah, I think but I also think it's just if you if you get along, you get along. Um I actually met him through my parents. Um because he was on tour with one of the artists that my dad tour manages. So, uh I mean, he ticked that box already. He knew my mum and dad. They loved him. That was grand. Um, But yeah, he just, he understands as well. And he'd be more a musician and I'm more an actor. But at the moment, he's acting and I was playing music in his band as well. So we're very much kind of, we go, we help each other in different ways. And um, he's really supportive. He's a really great person just in a cool way he's just there's there's never any drama with him and he has made me a bit like that like I would have <laughs> I get I can get really stressed out I can get really um worked up about things and uh I do think having a partner that understands doesn't necessarily have to be in your industry but takes an active interest in it um I think that's really important that even if the person doesn't work in acting or in music or in some kind of creative thing that they take an interest, they try to learn a bit about it so that you're not just talking to someone where it's going in one ear and out the other and vice versa. If they work 
in AIB, you need to take an active interest in knowing what they do so that you can understand what they're talking about. And then it's not just two completely separate things. But obviously, if a relationship works um, and you love a person, that should come naturally. But I do, for me anyway, it's really helpful because my whole family is in it. And I'd say, God, I'd just be a head wrecker for someone who didn't work in the industry maybe like and then that's how blah, blah, blah. and they're just like oh my god I can't go anywhere with you that's all the conversations in my parents house as well you know like it's all music related and we listen to a lot of music and stuff so yeah I think for for me personally it definitely is a good thing like how important do you think it is that you like uh and adm- like admire his like work you know what I mean like the, mm. like assuming that you think he's like a good musician and a good actor and all these things like do you think that if you were with someone in the arts who you were just kind of like, <laughs> I, I think they're a bit shit. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, God. Like oh, the, that's hilarious. Because that's an important part of it. I oh, think about yeah, this sometimes. Because totally. you know that you just get like a little talent crush because you're yeah. like, they're so good yeah. at what they do. And that's just really attractive for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I was a fan of his music before we were even seeing each other really? together. Yeah, yeah. Like I had his album and I'd listened to it. He had three albums out at the time under Lethal Dialect. He's under Paul All right now. But... um. I had listened to his first couple of albums and then his third album, 1988, was just like a total banger of an album. And I used to listen to it loads. And this was when we were just kind of pals. So I was genuinely a fan of his work anyway. Um, But yeah, like, can you imagine that if someone's going, I'm just going to like do this. And you're like, maybe you shouldn't actually. Maybe. Why don't you try something else? Oh, yeah, I will. I, I think I just have to but like that's gas imagine he was going if you asked him that question and he's like yeah she's grand like she's alright at it I um, know yeah god I'd say that's tricky yeah I don't know how I could because I don't think I could stay quiet about that either yeah you know it's like when friends if I do a self-tape with a friend or something they're like which which one do you think I'm like definitely this one it's, that's the honesty thing as well you yeah know? um yeah, that's a hilarious question. <laughs> Maybe we should include that's that. That's not even a bingo question. That's no, no. Brilliant. That's just freestyle. All right, okay. I think this is our last one. Okay. Let's try get you a number. Yeah, okay. let's do it. Okay, here we go. What was this? It was number 46. No, I don't even have any 40s. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Another one came out. I can just read it for the crack. Number 14? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. Um, okay, number where are we? 46. Number 46. Oh, this is actually a lovely way to end. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, Best piece of advice I've ever received. Ooh. It's a tough one. It is a really tough one. Um, I think probably every piece of advice I've ever received from my dad. <laughs> really? Yeah. My dad and my granny. My granny is my dad's mum. Uh, well she passed away but uh, she was amazing for the advice she was just it's just kind of trust your gut I suppose um, and don't uh, if something is difficult don't run away from it you know face things head on sort things out don't it's the same thing that it has seemed to be a theme about brushing things under the carpet and just kind of trying to carry on face things head on sort things out because then your conscience will be clear and you'll be happier and stronger for it mm. and she used to always say that to me and you lived with her for a while yeah so um, she was only up the road from my mum and dad's house and uh, yeah like I was there it was 50-50 from my whole childhood really That's she was that was like my gaff it's really weird when I walk past the house now and it's a different house you know it's really strange and I'm always walking past like looking in the window kind of going who lives in there now but uh, yeah, I think everybody has that kind of thing as well with um, family homes that are sold. You're like, what? But yeah, that was uh, that was her kind of advice and her mantra in life. Isn't it so amazing when you have like, because um, a lot of people like just never got to know their grandparents. I know. Do you know what I mean? It's, it really is because there's so much just like life experience and wisdom there mm. to like just be shared. Oh, 100%. I still have dreams that I can't remember stuff and I wake up going oh my god I'm after forgetting you know and I haven't forgotten but like my grandparents all four of them 
were just my dad's parents have passed away but my mom's parents are still alive and they they have 10 children my mother is the eldest of 10 yeah. so they are like amazing people they're just gas but uh, yeah I was really really lucky to know all four of my grandparents and uh, if anybody still has grandparents cherished them all very very dearly because they are amazing yeah 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 100% sweet this has been deadly thanks so much yes, for doing thanks it thanks for having me I'm sorry you did not get any numbers you just totally whitewashed yeah but we had great chats we did so it's alright and um, would you do me a favour tell us about any like social media bits and bobs any stuff coming out and also the blog that'd be great yeah so my um, Instagram is at Eva Jane Gaffney my Twitter is at Eva Jane's with a Z at the end uh, my blog is uh, Eva Jane Gaffney dot blog stop blogspot.com but it's in my bio on Instagram or Twitter um, and I just finished filming uh, season 2 of Can Cope Won't Cope oh, yeah. so I think that's out the end of this year but also um, the delinquent season Marco Rose mm. uh, film I don't know when that's out but that's out this year sometime sweet yeah deadly Eva Jane Gaffney thanks so much for playing personality bingo thanks So guys, that was Eva Jane Gaffney playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. A massive thank you to you, Eva Jane, for taking the time to do it. It was a pleasure to chat to you and get to know you that little bit better. Uh, and I hope I'm going to see you around loads because it was deadly hanging out. Uh, in other news, guys, as I said, um, Lyrics is a play coming to a venue very near you, assuming you live in Dublin City Centre or thereabouts. Uh, but as I said, it's really, really exciting. And no matter where you are in the world, if you have anything to give, we're running a funded campaign at the moment. Uh, we're not asking for astronomical amounts of money, just the bare minimum um, to cover our expenses and make sure that we can do a good job with this play uh, it's coming to a venue for two weeks it's really really exciting I've been working on this play for a long time it's got some music in it um, it's a dark kind of comedy um, but it's got a real heart to it as well so uh, I think if you like this podcast I really hope that you'll like uh, the play as I said it's coming to a Dublin city centre venue over the next two weeks and we're looking for a few bobs so this podcast will always be free and I promise that but if you are in a position where you had a few quid uh, to donate whether that be the price of the point or something a little bit more we'd really really appreciate it um, as I said it's going to be myself and Danielle Galligan on the stage and then Romana Testaseca uh, directing um, so we've got a really good team on board as well as a wonderful wonderful design team uh, and if you had anything to spare it would go a long way um, in, in, in the hands of uh, the Lyrics Trust Fund so to speak uh, so we really appreciate it in other news I am out with the Mill Theatre at the moment uh, performing Romeo and Romeo and Juliet having a deadly time with that um, and we're on for another few weeks so if you're about come and check us out we run until the, four, uh, the 16th of March pardon me um, so Eva Jane, if you're listening, thanks a million for playing. It was a pleasure. And to everyone else, tune back in next week when the wonderful Paul Mescal plays Personality Bingo with Tom Moore. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.